0: This week on the Southgate Student Ministry Podcast, we dive into scripture and continue on in our series, First Aid. This week, we discuss stitches, how we as members of the church are to tie each other together, to be what holds each other together here on earth, how we are each other's support systems. Thank you so much for listening. Question: because uh, for me to say what holds you together you're like well there's a lot of different ways that can be held together if you're talking about my physical body um, my skin holds me together if I didn't have skin I would uh, I would call got it right um, you know you would fall apart um, maybe there's emotional things that hold you together like like the way certain people treat you or you could go a number of different directions um, based on our studying of the first aid tonight we're looking at this idea that skin keeps you held together. The thing is, every once in a while, you fall or get hit in the face or something takes place where that skin, um, not to be graphic, busts open and and um, it, it's not going to heal on its own. There's nothing you can do except for going to get stitches. Now, stitches, um, If you who in this room has had stitches? I'm sure that, that I actually haven't had stitches, Um, that's insane, Um, wow, that's my Um, (laughs) instinct. Okay, sorry, sorry, losing control, Um, a lot of people get stitches, I personally have never had stitches, but if you've had stitches, um, if you've had stitches, what happens is, is generally they will take you and they'll numb the skin around the wound and they'll take a needle with some sort of thread, lots of different materials, and they will uh, they will go through and, and, you know, sew you up. Um, it's casual, but what they do is they take the opening and put it back together so you will heal properly. That might have been too graphic for some people. Um, the point of stitches though is what? It's to make sure that when you're wounded, when you have a wound that's not going to heal, when, when your skin that holds you together is, is no longer holding you together, stitches help that thing heal. What is your reaction when bad things happen? Now, that's kind of a weird transition, but, but we're going to kind of flow it all in together. In just a minute what is your reaction when bad things in your life happen I've been blessed in my personal life to never have something happen that's that's like too terrible and I say not too terrible uh, I lost my grandfather several years back that was a very sad time if you've lost a grandparent you know how sad that is um, I remember a point in my life we had just gotten a brand new puppy um, and my mom hated the puppy and so I was in love with the puppy and we gave the puppy away and my mom was like here's a 20 dollars lightsaber that you can play with to make up for it and it didn't make up for it um i cried for days because of the loss of that puppy um uh, i went through a couple breakups in my life those are always tough times uh one day when you're when you're in serious relationships or maybe it's just a relationship and you're crying because of it um there was a time where and i wasn't even close to the person but someone in my home congregation committed suicide, and, and I was younger, um, and, and he was kind of one of the leaders that that we were around, and, and that was a sad time, and emotionally for days, I struggled to handle that. That weighed on me a whole lot, and I can think about those times, and just every single one of those times, and there were several times, as you probably heard, none of those were like, man, you suffered in your life um, tremendously, but there are those times in life that I think about And I'm like, man, those hurt me emotionally. And maybe you're sitting here right now and you're thinking, yes, this event in my life, something I've gone through either recently or several years ago or at some point in my life, I've sat there and I've thought, I have have been in pain. I'm torn apart. I am feeling wounded. How did you handle going through that rough time? Did you handle it with anger? Was it something that that you were just angry at and everything you wanted to do was, was a response where you were mad at the world? Did you shut down where you didn't let the outside world in, where you didn't let anybody see it? Did it make you say, you know what? I'm mad at this situation, and because I'm, I'm upset at this situation, because it's emotionally taxing on me, forget it. I'm going to get better, and I'm going to be stronger from this moment. Or does it take you and drag you through the dirt and rip you apart to a point where you feel like you fell apart. The thing is, I don't know if we can go through a rough time no matter how hard we handle it, where we don't see it rip our lives apart, rip our emotions apart in some way. No matter how you're going to handle pain, whether it's with anger or shutting down or with determination, no matter what it is, you can go through a list of a bunch of different ways. I think that we all Find ourselves handling it, but we all feel broken and torn and hurt. I want to look at how the apostles handled the death of Jesus when they went through a rough time in their lives. So open up to John chapter 21. That's where we're going to be uh, starting, and everything that we're going to be doing is within a couple of those pages. So go ahead and open up there. That's where we're going to spend um, all of our time tonight reading through some of this story. To try to figure out the timeline of how the apostles were going to handle um, tough times. John chapter 21, you want to talk about a tough moment for the apostles leading up to John chapter 21. To go through the timeline really quickly, you Imagine that that Jesus walks up to you, you're going about your daily life, Jesus walks up to you and and says, hey, by the way, um, come follow me, leave everything you have. And you say, alright, I'm coming for you, Jesus. And you follow Jesus and you go about your business for three years and you see Jesus do these signs and wonders and he keeps on saying, alright, what we're going to do with this is is we're going to bring a kingdom to earth. And you're like, "All right, here it goes. We're about to conquer the world. They've dedicated their lives to him. They they have this mindset of who he is. They believed in him. And yet they stood there at a distance and watched Jesus get mocked. They watched Jesus get whipped and scourged. They watched as he carried his cross to his place of execution. They watched as nails were placed into his hands and his feet as he hung on the cross they watched as his side was stabbed and blood and water poured out which means they watched him die this guy who they had dedicated the last three years of their life to was suddenly hanging on a cross dead you want to talk about a tough moment You want to talk about something that would rip you to shreds, that would tear you apart, that that emotionally is going to take you and and send you so many different directions that you're not going to be feeling like you're held together at all. And you sat there and you thought, this is how I've handled tough times in my life. I want us to look at how the followers of Jesus handled this tough time in their life. There were a lot of different ways, and what we're going to see is that not all of the apostles are present. A lot of the followers of Jesus, we, we read about some scattering and, and, and going different directions. A lot of them went back to their families. What we're going to read about here is um, is starting in verse 2 of chapter 21, we're going to see how seven of the apostles, or yeah, seven of the apostles handled it. Verse 2, Simon Peter, Thomas, called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, the son of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. They said to him, we'll go with you. They went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. These men who had followed Jesus go through the toughest time in their life these these spiritual leaders these people who we look at and we're like these people are incredible these people, we would we would get everything to trade spots with these guys when they were going through a tough time they were clueless they did the only thing they knew how to do without Jesus was to go fishing and so they got in a boat and they went out We might as well catch something to eat. They went back to the job that they had done for so long, the monotonous thing that they had done over and over and over again, the thing that that cleared their minds, that made it where they didn't have to think through anything at all. This is seven of them, like I said, and the others have gone back, and they've gone back to their old lives as well. Jesus meant so much to the apostles that when they lost him, They had no idea what to do. They were absolutely clueless. (laughs) And so the question becomes, and and as we go through the story, I want us to ask the question of, how are we standing here now? And I know a lot of you would be like, I know this story, but I want us to go through it. But how are we standing here now? What makes it, where we can sit here in a classroom in Columbia, Tennessee, uh, in 2019, and 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 read through this story let's keep going and we're going to read um quite a bit here so so stick with me the best we can just as the day was breaking jesus stood on the shore yet the disciples did not know that it was jesus jesus said to them children do you have any fish they answered him no he said to them cast the net on the right side of the boat And you will find some remember when he did this to them the first time so they cast it and now they were not able to haul it in because the quantity of fish the disciple whom jesus loved john therefore said to peter is the lord when simon peter heard that it was the lord he put on his outer garment for he was stripped for work and threw himself into the sea the other disciples came in the boat dragging the net full of fish where they were not far off from the land, but about a hundred yards off. When they got out on land, they saw a charcoal fire in place with fish laid out on it and bread. I wonder if Jesus like snapped his fingers to create the fire, by the way. Um, who knows? That's just, that might have not happened, but it could have. Um, he could have done it. Jesus said, this is verse 10, Bring some of the fish that you have just caught. So Simon Peter went aboard and hauled in the net ashore full of large fish, 153 of them. And although there were so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come have breakfast. Now none of the disciples asked him, who are you? Because they knew it was the Lord. The reaction of the apostles when they saw Jesus, when they heard Jesus say, cast the net to the other side, and they're like, whatever, and tossed the net to the other side and pulled in fish. The reaction of the apostles was immediately, it's the Lord. Suddenly, they had purpose again. Suddenly, they had a mission again. They were unified once again. Why? Because of Jesus. And, and like I said, we're going to come back and tie all this together, but I want to continue the story. Because Jesus doesn't stay here forever. So when Jesus leaves the earth, how did they handle it? Let's go to Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1. Jesus is ascending into heaven in the beginning of Acts chapter 1. And he says, by the way, there's going to be a helper that's going to come for you. And, and you got to think that this is a weird moment for the apostles. Jesus tells them that there's going to be a massive kingdom. And they're like, alright bro, let's, let's do this. And then he dies and they're like, oh man, there's not going to be a massive kingdom. And then he comes back to life and they're like, kingdom's on again. And then he's like, alright, here we go. Um, I'm ascending into heaven. And they watch him float into the sky. And they're standing there looking. And an angel says, what are you looking at? Jesus is in heaven. Can you imagine being there? Knowing that Jesus has a mission for you, but he's just left you. What keeps them together here in this moment? Why would they continue a mission in this moment? What keeps them steady? They continue on right after Jesus leaves. They go on to verse 12 to continue a method They had learned from Jesus after watching him for three years. Notice that they they went from this, they don't know what to do, to now they know a little bit what to do. Copy Jesus. Verse 12, then they returned to Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day journey away. And when they entered, they went up to the upper room where they were staying, Peter and John and James and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James the son of Alphaeus, and Simon the zealot, and Judas the son of James, all with one accord were devoting themselves to prayer, together with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers. What would Jesus do in this moment? When you're ripped apart, when the one that you followed for so many years is gone, when you realize that he has hope for you, you follow Jesus, and they prayed, they continued to do the best they could. And then what we're going to see is that the apostles, who are probably clueless, they know something's happening, they've been promised a helper, had something amazing happen, where the stitches come in strong. When they choose to stick together, to choose Jesus, the ultimate unifier arrives. Acts chapter 2. And I know we read Acts chapter 2 a lot. We mentioned it at the start of the series, but we're going to read a different side of it. So Acts chapter 2, verse 1, starting there, it says, When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. Who was all together? All the apostles. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting, and divided tongues as a fire appeared on them and rested on each one's head. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and began to speak it to each other in tongues uh, as the Spirit gave them utterance. In Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit arrives. The apostles' lives change. This is, this is something, a lot of times you're just like, man, they get tongues of fire on their head and they speak some different languages, and that's crazy. Think about what takes place in the lives of the apostles at this moment. Their lives change because they had the Spirit inside of them. And more than anything, at this moment... They were unified by the Spirit. And it makes me ask the question to us, as we sit in this room right now, as, as, as Christians, as people who proclaim Christ, and, and, as, and we would say like, yes, we do our best to be like Christ, are we unified by the Spirit? And I wanna ask a question to all of us tonight. And, and I'm gonna run through a few different scenarios, so Maybe one of these is you. Do you ever feel like you're separated from the church? Do you ever feel like you're not a part of the youth group? Do you ever feel like you walk in the door and you can't make a connection with anyone? Do you ever feel torn apart from the other people in the church? Not included, left out. Someone who you feel like to everyone else is nothing. Do you feel like people are just... Treading over you when you walk into the church building. And I want to propose two thoughts to you because I think there are two sides of this that that I want to to focus on. And I'm going to look at, like I said, two of them. So hopefully one of them you can connect with and and feel like this. Number one is, are you sitting in the house? Now that's kind of a weird thing to put, but notice what's taking place in Acts 2. It says that they're all sitting together in one place. That place is a house. All right? So they're all sitting together in this house in that moment. What made those men sitting there together receive the Holy Spirit? It's the fact that they choose, chose on that day, hey, we're going to be here together with the apostles and house together. They wanted to be there. They put in the effort to be a part of that group. They wanted to be an active part of what Jesus had proclaimed was going to take place. And I want you, if you you feel like what I just brought up a second ago, if you feel torn apart from the other part of the church, I want to ask you this question. Have you done everything you possibly could to make connections? Or have you put in minimal effort? To make the connections. Do you walk into a room and, and sit down and and maybe you sit down by yourself in a corner and expect people to come up to you and make connections, and when they don't, you're like, man, that's that's like no one wants to come up and talk to me. See, when the apostles had the Holy Spirit fall on them, they were the ones who were actively seeking the unity. And if we want to be connected, if you feel like you're not, look at yourself and say, am I actively seeking to be connected with other people in the congregation? Am I trying to be a part of it? The other part of it is, are you rejecting somebody who's sitting in the house with you? Can you imagine what would have happened? And, and, and I've chosen Bartholomew for this, just because we don't know a lot about Bartholomew. He's not mentioned a whole lot. We know he exists. Can you imagine what would have happened <coughs> if, if Peter and John, the head honchos of the apostles, based on what I feel like I read, walk in the door, and they look around, and, and, and they walk in, and there's Bartholomew sitting there smiling at him. He's trying to be active, trying to be a part of the conversation, and Peter and John just like, Bartholomew, you don't care about you, you little loser. And, and they sit there, and they might not say it, but they treat him like trash. And can you imagine Bartholomew, someone who's sitting there, he's like, man, I just hung out with Jesus for three years, just as much as you guys did. And, and, and like, I'm sitting here and you're treating me like dirt. By the way, I don't know if this, this didn't happen to Bartholomew, uh, but we're just imagining. Um, I can guarantee that Jesus would have looked at Bartholomew in that moment. It would have looked at the other apostles who were trying to be the head honchos in that moment and would have. And would have been upset at saying it was Peter and John who were being the guys who were rejecting Bartholomew. They would have been—he would have been upset with them for leaving him out of the mix. And if you're sitting in this room and you walk through the door and you feel like it's okay to go and and, and sit down with your friends and you look over and there's somebody sitting alone and, and, and you haven't ever talked to him before, maybe you barely even know their name or you do and and you still don't really want to go sit next to them, but you notice they sit alone every time. Yet, it doesn't matter because that's not your friend group and and who really cares? They're here every time anyways. I'm not going to put in effort to go show them that they're loved. I'm pretty sure that Jesus will look look at that situation and be ashamed of that as well. The Holy Spirit didn't unite the house with the Spirit Spirit on that day because they weren't a unified group of people. The Holy Spirit united them on that day because they had stood up and chosen to serve God and they knew that they needed to be unified to do that. They knew that they needed to be a group of people who when they walked into a room, people looked at them and were like, that is a group of 12 human beings. Or 11 human beings at this point. Uh, Well, actually, I guess at this point it's 12 because Matthias has already been chosen. But whatever it is, that group of people has chosen to be unified to each other constantly. That's when the Holy Spirit said, I'm coming down on you. There's not another person who's better than another We've, every single one of us has been given this gift of salvation. So, what makes us think it's acceptable to walk through the door and treat anyone else like they're not a part of our family? We have to buy into the church just like the apostles did in Acts 2, just like they were bought in to Jesus. The church isn't unified, we're split apart. We need stitches. Being split apart is simply the lack of Jesus. Nobody wants to be a part of a church that's divided, just like you don't want to be someone who needs stitches. If you need stitches for too long, it's probably going to end up very poorly um, for you. Like if you don't get stitches, you might die Um, type thing. That might have been extreme, but you get what I'm saying. Uh, Nobody wants to be a part of a church that's divided, and nobody wants to be a part of a church. That doesn't have Jesus as its focus. And if we can't find unity, Jesus probably isn't our focus. Do you feel like we're at all divided? Do you feel like you are divided from other people in this room right now? If you were to, don't do it, but if you were to glance around the room right now and look around at everyone, is there anyone that you could look at and be like don't know don't care about them having the spirit unite us with other Christians is going to bring us together what is it going to look like in your life what changes can you make to yourself to make sure that the spirit is actively involving you in the church we started talking about tough times and how those things can tear you apart. And I wanna kinda of bring it back to that for just a second. Because when there are tough times that rip us apart, when there's when there's things that we look at our life and, and maybe it's something like, maybe you are going through a breakup, which is something that's difficult. Maybe you just lost a grandparent. I don't know what you all are dealing with in this room, but if we walk in the room right now and feel like there's not at least one person in here struggling right now, with being torn apart emotionally for some reason, we don't know these people well enough. When the tough times rip us apart, there should be a group of people who we can go to. And you might be sitting there saying, like, yeah, I've got my friends, and that's wonderful. But are your friends going to be people who are going to answer you with the love of Christ. Are they going to be people who are going to actively try to be the best Christ-like follower they can be? See, when we're in need of stitches, when we're the most wounded, what we need as a group of people that's going to give us the love of Jesus, we should be able to sit down with people in this room, no matter who we are, no matter what age we are, no matter where you go to school, And be able to sit there and say, hey, let me help you with what you're going through. Everyone in this room should be showing everyone in this room the love of Christ. And those people should be your stitches. The people who help you grow. The people who help you heal. The people who tie you together and show us Christ. Are you going to rely on your Christian brothers and sisters to be your stitches in hard times? Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's edition of Southgate Student Ministry Podcast. Be sure to hit that subscribe button so you can get notified each week when we post a new show. Thank you so much for listening and have a blessed day.